Reading this morning from Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading from verses 1 through 14, and it says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And there he was registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. I'm sure that over the years you have all heard and read that passage of Scripture more times than you can probably recount. I know that's true of myself. As you know, it's Luke's narrative of the birth of Christ. And I can remember as a young guy, and maybe some of you can identify with this, that as I would hear this passage, I I would sometimes think about the shepherds in verse 8. I mean, here are these simple, uneducated men sitting out in a field, watching their sheep as they've done every night, likely for years. They're just sitting out there watching their sheep. There probably wasn't a great deal of excitement out there, if you think about it. I mean, maybe on occasion a wolf would make its way out and come near the sheep, and the shepherd would maybe grab a torch and a spear and do his very best to chase the wolf away and and defend his sheep. Maybe there would be a thief from time to time who would try to come out and grab one of the sheep, and the devoted shepherd would defend his flock. But generally, I think that was probably about the extent of the excitement in that job, don't you? I mean, they probably didn't see a lot of other things going on out there. There were no iPhones. There was nothing like that. There was no technology. So the shepherd wouldn't just be sitting out there in the field playing Candy Crush or texting his friends or doing anything like that. In fact, not only were there not iPhones, there was also no electricity at all. So you can imagine... The shepherds would have had nothing more than a torch or a candle, and that would have been it. The sky would not have been a glow from the city streets nearby. It would have been perfectly dark. And aside from the sound of a bleeding sheep or maybe a snoring shepherd, it probably would have been perfectly quiet as well. That was their life. And they probably liked it that way. They probably enjoyed it that way. They were used to it. That's how things had been for them for years. And then that night, as they're sitting out there, if you can picture the total darkness, they're sitting out in the fields, barely able to see their sheep, watching, listening closely, and then from out of nowhere, penetrating the complete darkness, penetrating this quiet night, an angel appears, and there was brilliant light everywhere. Brilliant light everywhere. 
And I just love the angel's message. Look at this. Fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news of great joy that will be for all the people. And I just love that. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've got great news for you. Don't be afraid. Can I tell you that if I'd been there that night, and it was perfectly dark and perfectly quiet, and all of a sudden this bright light shows up, there's this angel there that I probably would have been afraid, wouldn't you? But the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't worry about it, man. It's all good. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, I've got great news for you. I've got great news for you. Yeah, I think I would have been afraid. I don't care how great the news is. You scared me when you did that just now. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Because here they are out in the field doing what they've always done. They were comfortable. And all of a sudden, this thing that they had never seen before penetrates their lives and it disrupts everything. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm okay admitting the fact that I'm afraid of things that I don't know. I mean, things that I don't understand, things that I don't get, sometimes I'm frightened by those things, things that are unknown to me. And I think probably, if we're being honest, most people are. You see, I'm content. I'm content living my life the way that I've lived it all of these years and doing the same things that I've done day in and day out. And then when suddenly from out of nowhere... Something unknown interrupts my little world and changes everything. It frightens me. And I think that would probably be the natural response, don't you? Aren't you frightened by things that from out of nowhere come and just change your whole world? I think that's the natural response, is to be afraid. And I also believe that at times like that, it's more difficult to find joy than it is at other times. Did you know that God wants you to be filled with joy? God wants you to rejoice? Did you know that? Even during difficult times. Even when it's not easy. He wants you to have joy even when you're filled with anxiety. Even though you may be filled with fear. He wants you to have joy in your life. Philippians 4.4 tells us, Paul wrote this to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Easy for you to say, Paul. You haven't lived through what I'm going through. You weren't there when the shepherds showed up in the middle of the night. Don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It's true. God wants us to be people who are filled with joy and people who can rejoice at all times. He wants us to rejoice when we're happy. He wants you, of course, to rejoice when things are going well for you. But I want you to know that He also wants you to be able to rejoice when your lives are not going all that well. He wants you to be able to rejoice when your lives are being interrupted by the unknown and when there's anxiety in your life. He wants you to be able to rejoice in those times. Even when things don't go your way, He says, don't be afraid, be glad. Rejoice. Today we're only a few short days away from Christmas, right? Kids, do you know how many days we are away from Christmas? Looking at my hands back there. Five days, man, I know. It's five days. Yeah, you're right. But Christmas this year may be a little bit different for some of you than it has in years past. Do you think that's true? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're 
going to be meeting with friends and family to celebrate Christmas as you always have. But then there are some of you for whom it's going to be very different. And you're not going to be able to do some of the things that you've done in the past. Many of you may choose not to gather together with your friends and family to protect yourselves from illness. But either way, I wonder when we come back to church next Sunday, will you feel that Christmas lived up to your expectations this year? Because what's going to happen is that by next Sunday, as you're walking around in the marketplace, as you meet your friends, people are going to be asking you the question, did you have a good Christmas, right? That's what they're going to say to you. So did you? What do you think? I hope you'll be able to say, yeah, I had a great Christmas, but I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define a good Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas? I don't know. What's that mean? I mean, what does a good Christmas look like to you? Does it mean that everyone's healthy? Is that a good Christmas? Does it mean that everyone's getting along? That there's no fighting and that there's no arguing? I mean, that's important to me. That helps make a good Christmas. What about a great meal? That makes a good Christmas, right? That's one of my favorite parts. In fact, I'm a little bit concerned about Christmas this year, to be perfectly honest with you, because (laughs) some of you know that I tried to order my special Christmas ham yesterday, and uh, on the other end of the line, the guy said, well, the COVID pandemic is wreaking, listen to this, this is quoting, the COVID pandemic is wreaking havoc on our pork supply chain. So I may not get my special Christmas ham. I'm a little worried about that. I mean, how good is Christmas going to be without a special ham? What if you were to ask God, how do you think God would define a good Christmas? What do you think he would say to that? Do you know what I think he would say? I think he would say, shalom. Think about that. What is shalom? It's the Hebrew word for peace. You all know that, right? If you have peace this week, I think God would say you had a great Christmas, man. Glory to God in the highest And on earth, peace. And on earth, peace. That's what the angels said in verse 14. But you, Bethlehem, that's how the well-known prophecy of Micah 5 begins. But do you know how it ends? Take a look at it here. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. And what happens? Well, his origin is from old, from ancient of days. And take a look at verse 5. He will be their peace. This one who is to be born will be their peace. Friends, God wants us to have peace. God wants you to have peace. And let's not forget what the prophet Isaiah said in one of the most well-known prophecies of the birth of Christ. This is what he says in chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what else? Prince of Peace. So a child is to be born. He is God incarnate living with us and His name is Prince of Peace. He is the Son of Peace. And that is to say that He offers to us peace from God so that everyone who receives His grace may know peace. It's this child who's born who makes peace with God for all of those who surrender to Him in faith. And you know what? He brings the peace of God to those who walk with Him. That's the message. That's the reason that the angel said, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You know, if you think of it, I would challenge you to think of one year across this world where there was actually peace. Do you know that there's no peace on earth? There's always been conflict. There have always been wars and rumors of wars. There's always conflict. But I want you to understand that we can still have peace. You can still have peace even amid all of that. So how do you define peace? I think most commonly people say, well, it's the lack of conflict. It's the absence of trouble. Isn't that how you define peace? It's the absence of war and battle. But I want you to know that when someone uses the word shalom, they're not saying, I hope that there are no wars. They're not saying, I hope that you don't fight with your family this Christmas over the last piece of ham. They're not saying, I hope you aren't affected by the pork shortage. They're not saying, I hope that your family avoids illness and violence. And they're not saying, I hope you all get what you wanted for Christmas. Although that would be great if you got me what I wanted. <laughs> got that harmsis? <laughs> They're saying, I hope you have all the highest good coming your way. All the highest good coming your way. But I want you to know that the Bible's concept of peace does not focus simply on the absence of trouble and conflict. That's not how it's defined. Biblical peace has nothing to do with your earthly circumstances. Do you see this? Biblical peace has nothing to do with that. It is goodness of life that is not touched by your earthly circumstances. That's peace. Because as long as you live in a fallen world, you're going to have trouble. As long as we live on this earth, there's going to be conflict. But the peace of God is a peace. It's a goodness of life that is not touched by any of those things that are happening on the outside. Do you know that you can be in the middle of the unknown? You can be in the middle of such great anxiety-inducing circumstances, and you can still have biblical peace. You can still have that. There's always been sin. And because of sin in our world, there's always been war. There's always been conflict, even at family gatherings. There's always been dissatisfaction. There's always been trouble. And when the angel said, peace be with you, when the angel said, peace. It wasn't intended to mean that there would never be any war. It was never intended to mean that you'll never have trouble in your homes anymore. It meant that the only one who can ultimately bring lasting peace to you during all of this conflict has been born. That's the message. The message was peace between God and man. That's available now. It hasn't been, but now it is. Psalm 147 says, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. Another way for you to think of that phrase, those who fear Him, is to think of it as those who honor Him or those who serve Him or worship Him. So friends, listen. If you serve Him, if you honor Him, if you hope in His steadfast love for you, He takes pleasure in you. Did you know that? Did you know that the God of the universe takes pleasure in you? I'd like to show you how Paul concludes that passage in Philippians in verse 9. This is what he says. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, 
and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, I think it's sometimes difficult for us to believe that the God of peace wants to be with us, isn't it? I think about it. I think there are two reasons in particular that spring to my mind. I think the first one is that we often feel like we're too small and we're too insignificant. Do you ever feel that way? I've heard people say that many times. I'm too small. I'm too insignificant for a holy and powerful God to want to be with me. I think sometimes we tell ourselves we're just little specks in the expanse of a huge universe, don't we? I'm just another person standing in line somewhere. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing that would cause God to take note of me and to want to be with me. Have you ever felt that way? What about this? Have you ever felt that maybe you were too sinful for God to want to be with you or to take notice of you? I've heard this one many times before. I mean, look at my life. Why would God want to be with a sinner like me? Why would God want to be with someone like me? I mean, He's pure and He's holy. And Scott, you don't know some of the terrible things that I've done in my life. I've done this or I've done that. I struggle with this sinful desire. I battle that sinful desire. I'm selfish. I'm materialistic. I'm divorced. I'm this. I'm that. I'm not religious enough. Whatever it is, we find reasons to think that God would not want to be with someone like me. God's too pure. He's too holy. He would never want to be with someone like me. He'd rather spend his time with the preacher and his family, right? Listen, friends, we're all sinful. Even the preacher and his family. We're all sinful. And this world is filled with people who feel like they are either too sinful or too insignificant for God to take notice of them. But Paul says, if you'll begin to practice all the things that I've taught you, if you'll begin to practice all the things that you've heard, do the things that you've been taught, then things are different. You know, one thing that has been consistently said here at Root River Church, for those of you who have never been here with us before, we often say that it's not enough for us to just come here and hear the Word of God. What's the use of that? Why come and hear it if you're not going to take it out the door and do it? It's not enough to just come here and listen to good music and, and the preaching and then to go home and not make a change. There's no value in that. James says you can't just be someone who hears the Word. You have to be someone who what? Who does the Word, right? We have to be doers of the Word. Do what you've heard. And that's what Paul is saying here to the Philippians. He says, take what you've learned from me. Take what I've taught you and start doing those things. That's what Paul is saying. And friends, I want you to know that the result of that is that the God of peace will be with you. Do you see that here? The God of peace will be with you. So are you going to have a peaceful Christmas? I believe that if we can put together our Philippians passage and our passage in Psalms, we can really begin to understand the secret of having a peaceful Christmas this year. You see, when you receive and actually practice what you've heard and learned from the Word of God, the God of peace will take pleasure in you. And He'll be with you. He'll be with you. Even though you feel unworthy, even though you feel insignificant, even though your tendency is to see only your failures, 
only your weaknesses and the places where you get it wrong. Even though your tendency is to be worried and afraid of all that's going on around you right now, the God of peace will be with you. I'm reminded of a young man who many years ago was involved in a terrible accident, and as a result of the accident, he lost his eyesight. He was perfectly blind. And understandably, he became very angry at the situation. You can imagine how he must have felt. And so that's how he lived. He lived in anger. He was angry with his situation. He was angry with his parents. And he was even angry with God. In fact, he was so angry that this young man would do nothing more than sitting in his room all day and all night. In his memoir, he wrote, I only came out of my room to go to the bathroom and to get a drink of water, and that's it. There was conflict in his heart. This young man had no peace in his heart. And every day, worried about him, his parents would bring food to his room and they would try to talk to him. But he was angry and he wouldn't talk to him. And so he'd slam the door behind his parents as they walked off with their heads down, filled with sorrow and grief. One day after having tried for so long, dad was at his wit's end and desperate to restore some sense of normalcy to this boy's life. Dad went up to the room and he said, Son, winter is coming and it's time to put the storm windows up again. You see, that had always been the son's job. Every year, the son had taken the screens off and put the storm windows back on. And dad was committed to making him do it, no matter how uncomfortable he felt. And so you can imagine he protested, right? He's like, I mean, even if the kid could see, he's going to argue with that one. But dad, I'm blind. I can't do it. I'm blind. And dad said, that's always been your job. And it's still your job. You could have done it with your eyes closed all of these last few years. So even though you're blind, you're going to do it. He says, you have until this time tomorrow to get those storm windows on our house. So the young man walked downstairs. He made his way to the garage. And he's thinking to himself, I'm going to show him. I can do this. So he felt his way around the house. Felt his way into the garage where he found the ladder. It was in the same place it had always been. He began to feel his way around the outside of the house, picturing in his mind where everything was. He began going up and down the ladder. And he removed one screen at a time, and he put up one storm window in his place. It took him a long time. It became dark outside, and he was working in the pitch black, but he had no idea. He didn't care. He was blind. But he worked through the blindness, and he worked through the darkness until he had every storm window on that house. Years later, after his father had died, his mother told him something that would change his life forever. She told him that she watched that night as that young man struggled to put all the windows up on the house. And she told him, you didn't know it, but the entire time you were putting those windows on the house, even in the darkness, your dad was never more than a few feet away. He followed you as you moved around the house. He watched the ladder as you went up and down. He loved you so much, he couldn't let you go through it alone. Friends, 2020 has been a difficult year. For many of you, it's been even more difficult than it has for others. I mean, you were just going about your lives, doing your thing, right? You didn't ask for it. And then from out of nowhere, the entire world was seized by a pandemic. 
And there were many other things that captured the United States. And, I mean, you were just doing your thing. And when it all hit, it was unknown to you. And as commonly happens, it caused a great deal of fear in your lives, didn't it? Many people have been locked away since March feeling like it's not safe to come out. And there have been many other events that have taken place that are of, truly of historical import. It's all combined to create this year that all of you are going to be talking about for many years. Do you know that? You're probably going to be telling your kids years down the road, I remember in 2020 when this happened or when that happened. And I have to say that in my lifetime, short as that has been, I've never seen anything quite like it. It's been a year of no earthly peace, you see. But do you realize God has been right here with you the whole entire time? You're not too small for God to take notice. You're not too small for God to be with you. You're not too sinful for God to be with you and to care for you. Think about that. God became a tiny little infant, and he came to live among us. Years later, that same God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, became our sacrifice on the cross where he took up our sins and died on our behalf. Do you understand? Do you know why he did that? Because he wanted to be with you. A holy God can never be with sinful people. It doesn't work that way. So unless the holy God takes away that sin and makes sinful people holy, he can't be with them. And that's what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. That's what makes this gift so special, isn't it? He did all of this so that he could be with you. Friends, can I just encourage you this morning, if you haven't done it already, place your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can have peace with God. Commit yourselves and commit your families to attend a church where you can continue to receive proper instruction of the Word of God. Take what you learn and do it. Don't lock yourselves away from the instruction of the Word of God. Hear it and apply it to your lives. And I want you to know that if you'll do that, the God of peace, the God of the universe, will take pleasure in you and He will be with you. Do you believe that? Because that's what true peace is. So my challenge to you this morning is to make Christmas of 2020 the most peaceful Christmas your family has ever experienced. Not because everyone got the gifts they wanted. Not because everyone got their favorite ham. Not because there was no arguing or fighting. But because in your family, there is true peace with God through your faith in Jesus Christ, you see? Then you can walk through such dark and difficult times as those you've all seen in 2020, knowing that even though you can't see Him, even though you may not feel like you deserve it, even though you may not think He wants to be with you, that your Father is only a few feet away. He's right there. He's with you. He loves you so much that He can't allow you to go through it alone. Father, I thank you so much for your incredible love. And I thank you that you have made a way for there to be peace with you. Even as we make our way through a world filled with turmoil, there can still be peace, true peace in our lives. 
And so I ask God that this Christmas season that you'll fill the hearts of your people with peace. Peace with you through our faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there are any here this morning who are not at peace with you, I ask that you would grant it to them to place their faith in Jesus Christ so that they can be saved. And as we commit ourselves, Lord, to practice the things that we've heard in your word, I pray that you would fill us with the confidence that you are near. Allow our peace with you to overflow and to fill every one of our earthly relationships as well, we pray. So this year, Lord, I pray that you would fill every home represented here in Root River Church this morning with peace. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.